Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Breakpoint Podcast. This week's episode is the Australian Open uh, review mid-tournament. Um, Frank and I have seen some incredible tennis being played and uh, some very interesting matches. Frank, how are we today? Uh, I think we're doing pretty well. Uh, you know, the Australian Open, I think, has gotten off to a really solid start so far been some really thrilling matches especially in the round of 16 phase onward a lot of five set matches a lot of close calls um even i think a big upset that we'll get to later but uh yeah i think we can't complain this has been a really great start to the year um and a lot also a lot of interesting stuff going on with the melbourne fans in terms of the ronaldo siu things that are going on but oh, um oh boy <laughs> yeah it's it's uh it's listen this is all good for the sport um it's good that tennis has some personality to it and it's it's making some some front uh page news and uh yeah i i think i think a solid start to the year hopefully a sign of of good things to come so uh let's get right to it uh what has been your biggest surprise of the tournament so far marcus my biggest surprise um, is that Gael Manfi made the quarterfinals and has looked tremendous. Now, I know he lost this morning to Matteo Berrettini in a five-set thriller that I actually thought he could have pulled out, but he ended up being gassed in the fifth set. But um, super impressed by Manfi. He had a really kind of a down year last year. Everyone thought he was actually might retire. Um, he switched to this brand called Artango. Maybe they, you know, that juiced him up. Um, he's also got Gunter Bresnik, Dominic Team's old coach, as his full-time coach for the year. They probably had a good off-season in Austria, as Frankie would say. And um, yeah, no, I, I was I was really surprised by him uh, kind of making it that far. Yeah, I think uh, Monfi is definitely a good call um, as to uh, why he's being so successful. I think he himself has credited his uh, now wife, Alina Svetolina, who's also a fantastic women's player um, a lot with his like motivation. Alina Monfi, uh, that is. Alina Monfi, that's that's very true. Yes. Um, but he credits her a lot, which uh, I can totally see. Uh, I also think that Monfi had a down year last year because of limited crowd capacity. And he's really a guy that feeds off of crowd energy, plays with the crowd, has fun with them could say the same thing for Nick Kyrgios as well. Um, so I think now that crowds are back, uh, you'll see these guys be way more successful this year in comparison to, uh, let's say, last year. Uh, so, yeah, for me, the biggest surprise of the tournament, actually, I would go on the other side of the net in the match that you uh, mentioned. I think Matteo Berrettini. Uh, I think he has really looked quite good. Uh, in fairness, uh, I, I think we spoke about it on the preview podcast that, you know, we looked a little bit shaky in ATP Cup, um, you know, was injured at the ATP World Tour Finals to end the year. So kind of didn't know what he was going to be here, but he has looked fantastic. His serving has looked awesome. And he's really just picked off from his previous Grand Slam results, right? I mean, it's when you think about it, it's it's incredibly impressive that this guy has now made the quarterfinals of the past four Grand Slam tournaments that he's played. And I don't think that we should be downplaying that or, or forgetting about that in uh, our, our overall look at this guy as a player because myself included, I think, have maybe underrated him. Um but, you know, this guy's, uh, uh, I think Baratini could finish the year top five 
I, I would say that after after watching uh, so far. Yeah, I was going to say he is severely underrated. We don't mention him enough as far as slam contenders, even though he's performed his actually he's played his best tennis at slam semifinals of the U.S. Open. Um, the finals of Wimbledon. Now he's in another semifinals, uh, has a chance to play against Nadal, which we'll get into a minute. Um, but yeah, really impressed with Veratini. Knows how to play the big moments, is physically very fit for someone that tall um, and that size, which is very impressive considering uh, that kind of revolves around his game, right? He's got a very heavy forehand game. So for him to be able to run around that backhand and hit that forehand all day is extremely impressive. Big props to him. Um, he didn't, he actually had that injury at the la- in the last year. Uh, he must have recovered nicely over the break. So um, good for him. Yeah, no, for sure. Frank, let's talk about our biggest disappointments of the tournament so far who's your biggest disappointment and why yeah so for me i think biggest disappointment has to be sasha zverev uh losing in the uh third round i think it was like he did yeah uh you know that's that's a tough loss uh especially you know considering we all had these pretty high expectations of him. And and in fairness, he even had those high expectations of himself to lose this early on, I think is, is really disappointing. Um, even if it was to, um, it was to Shapovalov, right? I'm not going. Yeah, it was Shapovalov in straight. Yeah. Straight. I mean, listen, Shapovalov is a great player. It's not like he lost to, you know, scrub number one, but uh, that's a match that Zverev should be winning. Um, let alone if he loses to lose in three sets, the way that he did uh is disappointing and he's gonna he is disappointed with it he's openly said so so you know it's just another case of this guy like every single time you think oh he's gonna win the grand slam finally he's gonna win the grand slam like it comes time for those big moments and he just just doesn't seem to have it it's very much the opposite of what you have just mentioned about Matteo Berrettini right where Berrettini in those big moments always seems to to find it right Zverev is not yeah, I think that's because we expect also a lot more out of Alex Zverev, right? I mean, you know, Berrettini, like you said, we always underrate him, um, which now we should probably not overrate, but we should probably just rate him as he is. Um, and, and I'm interested to see how he would do under that pressure. But Zverev is somebody who we've kind of pinned as like, you know, the the hair, him and Medvedev is like the hair to the Djokovic throne. Um, he's not really handling the pressure that well. Um, I know he had a great year last year, but this tournament, we legitimately, he was favored. Um, maybe he was second behind Medvedev, but you know, he, he just had a really bad day. It didn't look good for him. I know Shapovalov played really well. Um, but that, that's not a match that you should be losing. And this is, he, I don't think he also, he doesn't really play that well in Australia. Um, and I'm, I don't know why, I don't know what it is, but you know, he, he's got to get it together in the slam soon, because if he doesn't, other people will be start taking these slams soon, like Medvedev, because Medvedev is just locked in and playing his best tennis. We don't even have to worry about him at all um, in, in these tournaments. So yeah, Tariff was also the biggest dif- disappointment for me, for sure. Um, Frank, I'm taking a look at the draw here. Berrettini beats Monfils this morning, so he's in the semis. Nadal beats Shapovalov in a controversial match. Um, I think we should talk about that for a second. Seems like Nadal was uh, getting a little bit too much time and favoritism uh, in between points and with medical timeouts. Frank, explain that situation a little bit. And, you know, was Shapovalov uh, in the right place to discuss all this during his press conference? Yeah, so the net-net 
of that situation is effectively, I think it was the in between the, the third and fourth set, something like that. Uh, you know, Shapovalov's, you know, ready to serve. He's out on court. The timer is going down, you know, of like five, four, three, two, you know, and and rather than looking at Nadal, um, who was the player still sitting down, um, the umpire is looking at Shapovalov and kind of just ignoring Nadal, uh, which then led Shapovalov to to go up to the umpire and say, hey, like, I'm the server, like, we're, you're supposed to go at my pace here. Why are you looking at me? Like, you should be looking at Rafa, like, he's the one that's not ready right now. Like, you have to issue, you should be issuing him a warning. Uh, you know, Nadal came up to the net and was, you know, typical Nadal self, gentlemanly, you know, kind of diffused the situation and moved on. Um, I think where the controversy mainly lies is between the fourth and fifth set. So Shapovalov has just won the third set. He's just won the fourth set. And they're heading into the deciding fifth set. Uh, Rafael Nadal takes a, a second injury timeout. He had already taken an injury timeout earlier. So he was getting medically evaluated. And then after getting medically evaluated, he decided to uh, use a bathroom, which like, obviously that's, you know, that's fine. But um, that was just a lot of time that was killed um, in between a medical evaluation and then a maximum allotted time bathroom break. Uh, so obviously that killed a lot of momentum. And I think that that got into Shapovalov's head for some reason a lot more than it should have. And that led to him getting broken relatively early on in that set. And Rafa just kind of held out, won the match, and, and that was it. Uh, I think Shapovalov should be pretty disappointed, to be honest. Uh, I think he was, on the whole, if you looked at the, the whole match, he was probably the better player that day. Um, he was just erratic. Um, and I don't think he kept his composure in that fifth set, and Rafa masterfully so did. So... Is he right? And and the controversy also continues with after the match in the press conference, Shapovalov accused Rafael Nadal of and, and other top players as well of getting preferential treatment at majors from umpires, um, you know, and everything. So, uh, you know, Rafa responded by saying he doesn't get that. You know, no top player should, nor should they want it. And you know, once you step onto the court, you're just another tennis player. There's there should be no difference. Like shocker, real shocker that he said that, yeah. but um. But no, I, I think, is Shapovalov right? The top players receive preferential treatment. Yeah. I of mean, I, 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 I mean, mean, of course they do, right? I mean, this is no different than any other sport, right? In basketball, you think LeBron James doesn't get more calls than, you know, some scrub off the bench. Do you think that Tom Brady doesn't get a pass interference call uh, more than, you know, Davis Mills on the Houston Texans? Like that, that, That's a deep name. Yeah, I know. That's, that's the point, though, right? Deep so... Name. You know, uh, this is nothing different than every other sport. Um, and I think it's kind of hilarious coming from somebody like Shapovalov, who, like, he's a top 15 player in the world, pretty widely known, like, name-wise. Like, you're also kind of a top player. So I wouldn't necessarily, you know, be saying, like, uh, something like, you know, the top players, like, they get preferential treatment. Like, you are pretty much a top player, and I'm sure you benefit from preferential treatment in, you know, like, your first, second, and third round matches when you're the bigger name. But... Um, yeah, I mean, yes and no, because I've actually never seen him do something like that, so I, I, I kind of have to give him credit for that. And when he's talking top players, I mean, there is a... There is a difference between the big three, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, and the rest of the crowd. Like they are just kind of like legacy 
kind of grandfathered in with these umpires and you know god forbid that an umpire calls you know gives nadal a couple of uh code violations i mean that'll just start a whole firestorm so um and and that's something that frank and i are actually going to be releasing a pod soon on uh the rule change uh rule changes that we think should be implemented in tennis so definitely stay tuned for that one this is one of the hot topics on that one so stay tuned um but yeah no listen shapovalov has all the right in the world to go out and what he said he made it very clear it's not personal against nadal it's just these rules are getting a little bit out of hand you know nadal pulling off a kind of a shitsy pass um so (laughs) You know, where, where is the line drawn is basically his point. So I, I agree with him there. Um, so, Frank, we got Berrettini, Nadal in one semifinal. In the next two quarters, which is to be played tonight, we've got Yannick Sinna against Stefano Tsitsipas, and we've got FAA Felix Auger-Alassim against Daniil Medvedev. Um, I think uh, we, we kind of spoke about this over text already. I think that Sinner's going to win. But it would totally not shock me if Sitsipas won in like four sets and Sinner just wasn't like ready for this moment. It, it wouldn't shock me at all. But I do think Sinner is the better player right now. And he on paper, he probably should win, but it would not shock me if Sitsipas wins. And as far as Medvedev, FAA, I mean, I, I don't see FAA really winning that match. Maybe it goes five if he plays hot. Otherwise, I got the kneel in four. Yeah, I think... I, for the most part, largely agree with you. Um, I think FAA Medvedev, that should be a Daniil Medvedev case of uh, whoop, you know what. Uh, he beat Felix Alger Aliassime two weeks ago in the ATP Cup in Australia, 6-4, 6-love, and it wasn't really close. So I, I just can't see how that result differs yeah really uh, really much. bad really bad matchup for fa really bad. yeah it, it's a really bad matchup he's going up against somebody's who's whose game quite literally is the perfect counter to his um especially on that backhand side even though fa has improved it's not enough to to, to compete against somebody like daniel uh who's just going to be a, a wall back there and felix it's been shown over and over again if you defend him you know, he, he breaks down like he, him and him and Shapovalov have that in common in a way uh, they they can break down. They get erratic and they go for shots that just have zero margin of error that they shouldn't be going for. So really bad matchup. I think Medvedev clear favorite there should get through. No problem. The center and Sitsipas match, the olive oil bowl, if you will, is a much more. A compelling matchup, I think. Frank's been waiting for this. His two his two countrymen going at it against each other. Uh, that's very true. Um, I have an affinity for both of these guys, but um, if I'm honest, I think that Sinner is the clear, clear um, favorite here. I think Sinner has looked astronomically better than Sitsipas has. I think Sinner it, it, Sinner's last matchup in the fourth round was against Alex Dimonor, right? So Australian hometown huge crowd support with him uh and demonor i don't know if you had watched a few any of his matches previously looked fantastic he looked like he was really starting to attack that forehand the movement obviously is you know second to none in the game really um looked awesome i i get i i was actually like really really impressed and happy to see because i i love him as a player so to see him you know progress made me very happy but yannick sinner just destroyed him i mean like like phys- uh, not only like physically beat him up, but mentally uh, defeated 
uh, Demonor in a way that I, I haven't seen him do um, quite yet. So uh, I think that Yannick, the biggest difference from last year to this year so far has been the serve. Um, I think the serve is finally starting to really come together. He made that change from uh, pinpoint to platform, right? There we go. Yep. Yeah. Finally got that that uh, nomenclature right. So he made the change from pinpoint to platform. And I think he's really starting to see the benefits of that now. Uh, it looks way more consistent. He's finally starting to get some aces on his serve, which is great. And um, yeah, I, I, I just think that Sitsipas if this match was a year from now, um, i.e. he had another year of recovery with that elbow, I would I would say this is a, a push-em match. You know, I could see either one of them winning, um, if not favoriting Steph. But uh, I, I just think this might be a little too soon from that elbow injury. And on top of that, Sitsipas came off of a grueling match against Taylor Fritz last round. Um that, you know, I think they finished at like 12.15 in the morning, Melbourne time. So uh, I think Sinner is more likely to win there, um, you know, and, and that's the betting favorite is Sinner right now over Sitsipas, which is, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of surprised that it is given Steph's history in Australia. But at the same time, I also think Sinner's going to win. So, you know, that does make sense. Yeah, the only reason, see, I, I kind of, I like, I like using past performance, especially the last couple of matches, as a ticker to kind of evaluate, you know, the potential, you know, future of a player at a tournament. But also, it's all about matchups. Um, center Demenauer, that is a horrible matchup for Demenauer. I think that it's going to be a little bit different against Sitsipas. Sitsipas is a lot more crafty. He's not going to be giving center the balls in his strike zone as much. And I really and 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 experience does matter here. And I know that Sitsipas just came off a grueling match, but Sitsipas plays very well at Australia. He's made the semis there a couple of times. He might he's going to turn this into kind of a mental battle, and I think that that could be a reason why he wins. Now, again, I think that Sinner has the like I'm I'm not ruling it out that Sinner will win, right? I really think that he is the better player at the moment, and that this could be his breakout tournament, but. You know, would it shock me? Like, I would not be shocked if Sitsipas won, like, at all. So um, th that's where I stand with that. Yeah, I see that for me is the difference here. I, I would be shocked if Sitsipas won. I, I think this one, Yannick should win this. Um, I think matchup-wise, right, we, we, we should talk about that. I think that's, that's, that's a good thing to talk about. I think backhand-to-backhand -backhand is a huge problem for Sitsipas. Um, I think Yannick's backhand could give... Sitsipas a lot of trouble and the thing is even if Sitsipas does sort of run around that and try the you know the down the line inside and forehand Yannick's forehand is devastating and could easily punish him where I think the match could be won or lost uh, I think two areas I would focus on one would be the Sitsipas return is he able to capitalize on you know Sinner's main weakness which is his serve Right. So is, is Sitsipas able to return the ball deep, really cause some problems early on in points and put Yannick on the defensive and push him back? And two, speaking of push him back, court positioning, who's able to get to the net the most? Because Steph is most effective when he's able to attack the net and finish points at net. And if he's being pushed back by Yannick's ground strokes, the game's done. So. Right. So that's that's for Yannick. So I think for Sitsipas, what the problem he's going to cause for Yannick is one, 
Tsitsipas is a very crafty player. So he plays with a lot of different spins and a lot of different paces that backhand slice. Yannick likes having the ball, the same type of ball kind of in his strike zone that he can rip. Now, if you're giving him the same ball every time, yeah, center is going to blow you off the court. But that is not the case with Tsitsipas. He's going to really mix it up and move it around the court. Second are angles. Center is not, he's kind of a better of a baseliner going side to side. So City Paz plays extremely angled shots, especially on the forehand and the backhand cross court short angle. And I think Sinner is going to have a really tough time, kind of won't really know what to do with those balls. And it's going to be living a lot of court open. Um, and as far as from a serving perspective, I think their serves are about even, honestly. Um, and, you know, it might, I think it will come down to who's going to return better as far as like breaking serve and such. So, this is a this is kind of a toss up for me. Um, you know, I think Sinner will win, but again, it totally would not shock me if Sitsipas won this match. Yeah, I, I don't think this is a I don't think this is a blowout by any means. Um, when I say that I I believe Sit that like Sinner is going to win, I mean like I'm pretty convicted that like if it's a four set match, Yannick is winning three one, or he's going to win in a five set match just because Sitsipas might just just physically break down at that point. Um, you know, I, I think the other thing with Sitsipas that I do believe is the weakness here, uh, that could make the difference that you alluded to, right? When you said Sinner likes that same sort of ball over and over again for a one-handed backhand, Sitsipas does not have a slice and that's going to, I think, be kind of an issue. Um, he really I mean, this is something that we've talked about on the podcast before. Sitsipas is like one-handed backhand. The top spin is beautiful and you can hit great, you know, angles off of it, but he really doesn't, his backhand slice in comparison to somebody like, you know, a Grigor Dimitrov or, or even Dominic Team and Roger Federer is just not as good. Right. Um, but I don't think that he needs that kind of slice to beat center. That's my point. I, th I, just I think, think he I th does. The, I think he needs the variety, though. Right. No, I, that's yeah, what the, you're no, saying. Yeah. The variety he needs. But I don't I'm not saying it's got to be, you know, the world's best slice, but he's got to toss that in there a few times to give center a different look. And that's why I think that that'll ultimately give center trouble. And I think this is going to be a really interesting match. I think it's going five, so um, I'm excited to. I guess. Well, what time is it? It's not like three. It's at 11 p.m., so we can. You could probably Ooh. watch most of it. Yeah, that's no, yeah, good. It won't wanna, be too bad. But I want to go to the gym. Oh man, sacrifices, Frank. Um, yeah. So. Nope. So. All right, Frank. Last thing. Last thing I want us to talk about. Okay. Who do we actually think is going to win this whole thing? Oh. Right. Uh, Daniil. I mean. I, I think Nadal beats Berrettini in the semis. I think that's a horrible matchup for Berrettini. I think it's a really bad matchup. Generally, I agree with you. I, I, I think I, I'm very cautious to underrate Matteo Berrettini again. But <laughs> yep. um, I think we've both learned our lesson on that. But I, I think particularly this is a bad matchup. Uh, I think that Rafa has looked much better than I expected so far. Um, however... Um, you know, I think if Rafa does get to the final, let's say, and he plays Medvedev, who I think will beat Sinner or Sitsipas, no problem. Quite honestly, Daniil Daniil's going to beat Rafa. Um, I think you even saw Rafa in his press conference today, sort of say it was a miracle that he won that match against Shapovalov. That is like Rafael Nadal's words. He called it miraculous because he said that his body was physically like cooked like that he was done. So 
you know, Rafa's going to be playing against a guy who is a as physically in shape as anybody on tour and B is a defensive wall that will make the rallies as long and unnecessary as possible that even if Rafa wins the first two sets, like six, four and seven, five or seven, six, whatever in a tie break, Daniil is going to be fresh and Rafa might break down, you know? So I think Daniil is very clearly the, the guy um, yeah, this to win with, this major. This is without a doubt his tournament to lose without a doubt. Yeah. The, the, the tournament, the tournaments on his racket. Um, and, you know, uh, very briefly, I wanted to touch upon uh, the women's draw. Um, so there've been quite a few upsets on the women's side, um, which is not entirely surprising, but, uh, the very clear, uh, Daniil like player, uh, so to say on the women's side has been Ash Barty who has looked absolutely phenomenal. I don't believe that her serve has been broken so far this entire tournament, which is pretty remarkable. And, uh, I think she's definitely the clear favorite at this point to win, um, the other surprise on the women's side has been Madison keys who has just been taking names left and right. Uh, and she's looked really dominant. I don't believe she's dropped a set either. So, uh, you know, it's good to see her back because you know, we know, uh, from previous experience with Madison keys that she's a player that when she's on, there's really a, a very select group of players that can hit the ball. Um, as big as she can from the baseline in the women's game. Just, just there's, there's, there's just simply not uh, many people. You know, you're talking about a company of Naomi Osaka, um, and uh, that's kind of it, <laughs> really. So, yeah, I, uh, women's side also has some interesting stories. Um, is there uh, anything else that you wanted to mention so far from the Australian Open, Marcus? Yeah, so for the women's side, um, shout out to Danielle Collins for making the quarterfinals. She is actually um, a very nice uh, person. My buddy Pavlos was a hitting partner with her and slash coaching her at the U.S. Open a little bit. Um, so maybe he's been giving her some tips. I don't know, Pav, I got to check in with you. Um, but shout out to her. I wasn't expecting her to make the quarterfinals. And um, shout out to Madison Keys. She's always a dangerous player. It's it's too bad that she can't like keep that consistency up. I think that she's really, a you know, when she's on, the firepower is outrageous and she can really beat anybody, but I do agree with you. Ash Barty is, you know, it's her tournament to lose. Um, so yeah, otherwise I think this has been a, a great tournament. You know, we've really focused on the tennis. We've gotten past the Novak Djokovic thing and we've really just focused purely on the tennis. And I think that's, uh, it's great for the sport. And um, Australia is always just a fun slam. I really want to go one day, Frank, I think we should go together. Yeah, no, it's it's number one on my slams tor tournaments in general to visit. Um, you know, the players always speak so glowingly about how they're treated and and everything. And quite honestly, the Australians look like a really good time. So I would love to go there. Um, no doubt. I think it's I mean, this, the facilities look pretty much like flawless, <laughs> to be honest. Um, you know, so and the grounds, I mean, everything just looks amazing. Uh, and the tennis is always good, right? I mean, we've always gotten uh, some really nice uh, matchups in Australia and um, they have night sessions, which I think is also really nice. Um, I, I'm, I always think that it's silly that like something like Roland Garros does not have a, a night session, really. Well, um, they do now. 
They, they do now, they but like, yeah. I always thought it was stupid that they didn't. Like, it never made any sense to me. Like, nighttime tennis is just so electric. Like, it's is it is it as good as the U.S. Opens? Right, the originators of the of the nightcap. No, there is just something about the U.S. Opens, like night matchups, that is just you know that's their thing. But uh, you know, it's it's great to have these primetime matchups going until like the, w- the early hours of the morning is awesome. Uh, my only uh, suggestion to Australia is that they cater their uh, tournament to New York time rather than Australian time. So that way I could actually watch. Oh, my God. Unbelievable, this guy. Well, you know, maybe maybe we should cater the U.S. Open to Australia time. And how about that? Well, Australia has like more kangaroos than people, so that doesn't make any sense, does it? And that's going to wrap it up here (laughs) at the Breakpoint Podcast. Um, We uh, hope you guys have enjoyed, as always. um, We appreciate your engagement on our Instagram recently. Uh, Marcus and I have been making a concerted effort to actually like do polls and interact with you guys. So we really appreciate uh, all the engagement that we've gotten over the past week or so and um, throughout the tournament. And we're going to continue doing that because it seems to be really successful and, you know, we like doing it. uh, And if you guys like it, I think that's a win-win. As always, if you have any suggestions for us, whether it be a topic, an Instagram poll, whatever you want to be on the podcast, even we're going to have some exciting series and guests coming up soon. Uh, Please DM us at breakpoint podcast seven on Instagram and at breakpoint podcast seven at gmail.com. Until then, thanks for listening and I'll see you guys next time. See you.